and welcome to today's almost daily devotion. We're in chapter, uh, we're in the gospel according to Luke chapter nine, and we're going to start on the 28th verse. And it goes like this. About eight days after Jesus said these things, he took Peter, John, and James and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes flashed white like lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking with him. They were clothed with heavenly splendor and spoke about Jesus' departure, which he would achieve in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were almost overcome by sleep, but they managed to stay awake and saw his glory as well as the two men with him. As the two men were about to leave Jesus, Peter said, Master, it's good that we here. we're here. We should construct three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he didn't know what he was saying. Peter was still speaking when a cloud overshadowed them. As they entered the cloud, they were overcome with awe. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Even as the voice spoke, Jesus was found alone. They were speechless and at the time told no one what they had seen. So this Sunday in worship, many people will be reading this. This is the traditional Sunday. We celebrate what's called the transfiguration. Now, transfiguration is one of those big church words that just means change. It means that his body was changed. It was morphed into something else, that there was a part of him that no longer looked like him. Transfiguring is, um, you know, it's something that we, we think about when people maybe go through a, a, a car wreck and a part of their body is transfigured. It's temporary, though, this transfiguration. It's not a disfiguration. And so um, it can be a little difficult to get on board totally with what's happening here. So let me break it down just a little bit. Jesus and Peter and James and John um, will go up onto a mountain to pray, which is pretty common. They did that a lot. And when they got up on the mountain, Jesus' face became white as if it was glowing, and Moses and Elijah appeared with him. Now, that's important for a couple reasons. Moses and Elijah both had moments where their faces shone like light. Moses did it after he went up to receive the Ten Commandments. He came back down, and he glowed such that he had to cover his face. And so it's an echo of Jesus as Moses. It's a reminder that the connection that Jesus comes to fulfill that role that Moses had always had. And the second is that in the Passover meal, Moses and Elijah are central figures. They set a seat for when, the, um, an empty seat for the return of the prophet when it is time, when, the, when it is time for that to happen. And so this is another link. It's another way of saying Jesus is this prophet that you've been waiting for. Moses told, you know, we've been relying on Moses. We've been looking towards Moses. And then we look towards Elijah. And now this is the next great prophet, the next great teacher. Now, there's a couple things that strike me, that strike me here. One is that they talk about Jesus's, um, Jesus would close with heavenly splendor and spoke about Jesus' departure, which he was about to achieve in Jerusalem. That's such an interesting way to put it. <laughs> such an interesting way to think about that. But it makes me wonder, did Jesus know what he was getting into at the beginning? Or is it just now that Moses and Elijah are breaking the news? 
This is pretty early in Jesus's ministry. We have the first three chapters are essentially Jesus's infancy and near and infancy and toddlerhood and growing upness. Um, and we now have this is early into Jesus's ministry. He hasn't yet gone to Jerusalem. He's just started. Uh, performing miracles. He's been baptized. He has some disciples. It's really new at the beginning of things. And Moses and Elijah show up and say, dude, this is only the beginning. You're about to achieve your glory in Jerusalem. Now that would make me not want to go to Jerusalem. <laughs> I would not want to visit. I would not be ancient, anxious to get there to go to find out what this achieving of my glory would be. But it's interesting that God gave a glimpse, a glimpse to Peter and James and John of what glory looks like. And it turns out that glory, that this transfiguration looks like service, like ministry. Because the next thing Jesus does is come down and heal a boy who is sick. He has this transformative moment on the mountain and comes down and gets right to work. <laughs> he comes down and gets right to work being the Messiah. And so I wonder how much we bask in our glory. We want to relive our glory days. We want to relive those moments and times when we were gloried, glorified. We were lifted up, that we maybe were glowing a little bit brighter. We want to live in those moments. And it turns out that we can't. That we can't live in the glory and the glow because other, we have more work to do. And so the glory and the glow gives us fuel. It gives us the gas. It gives us the energy to go back down and to heal and to be compassionate and to spread the gospel and to say one day our glory will be complete. One day we will live in this glory. We will be in this glory all the time. This is not that day. And it's to come. And so we glorify that. We live in that. We acknowledge that. And we remember those glory days so they can fuel us into the next stage of whatever God has planned. Even if that's a little scary. Even if it's someplace we don't want to go. Even if it's someplace that we're uncertain about. We've been transfigured, made to glow in God's glory. That gives us fuel. So go, go and serve.